0: well, we got a team that's back to five hundred after starting one and six. They've gone on a six and one run. The Lions are now seven and seven. And TJ, you were at MetLife Stadium uh, as the team was able to pull out a win where they didn't play great. They played good enough to win. What was the feeling like there from the stadium? Uh, it was a little bit of
1: wiping the sweat off the brow, you know, like. Woof. <laughs> like oh boy you know we'll I talking seeing some guys in the locker room afterwards you know watching some coaches walk by they were like okay all right man you know hey we, we scrunched out a win you know we did what it took there at the end but yeah that was not pretty football it was sloppy um offensively mostly um but you know what man that is I I felt the exact same way that Dan Campbell felt where he said you know, that's a game that we lose early in the season. You know, even last year, that's a game that they lose. You know, that's 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 one of those typical games where, you know, we've seen in the past, oh, they just can't find a way to make a play at the end, you know, and they kind of gave it away a little bit. Um, but that's just – that's what reminds us that this is a different team is that they're not losing these games. They're not losing the close games. You know, some games – hey, you know, the Vikings, you know, the, the Jaguars. There's plays in those games – that when you game, or sometimes they come in the first quarter, sometimes they don't come until the last minute of the game. You don't know when they're going to come, but you got to make them. And they've made those, you know, against Minnesota, against Jacksonville, against Chicago, against Green Bay, um, against the Giants. You know, yesterday was just one of those games where, hey – crunch time is the last two minutes like we've you know we battled all all game we've been in a dog fight uh they've made some plays we made some plays uh we got to find a way to make one more than them and they did and that's the sign of a good team is when things go bad when you hit some adverse situation especially late in the game you don't crumble you know you don't blink you go out there you just execute you compete and, and you find a way to make a play and so I think that was the overall feel after the game yesterday and look late in the season you know week 15 December football I don't care how pretty it looks I don't care how sloppy it looks the only thing that I care about is getting a win you know if this is week one and we're saying oh this is the team that came out of training camp oh, sloppy offense you know (laughs) you know defense you know lighting up some chunk plays like okay I wouldn't be too excited about it right but this this point in the season you know this Can I call it a magical run that they've been on? You know, six out of the last seven. That's what it feels like. Yeah. uh, The big picture. Call it whatever you want. I don't care what it looks like. The only thing I care about is getting a win. The only thing I cared about yesterday was finding a way to get to 500. Find a way to get rid of a losing record. And they did that. And they found some plays at the end, man. guys stepped up. And I think that this team is no longer learning how to win. They know how to win you know that's a difference they know how to win they expect if they get a chance late in the game uh, to make a play to win the game that they're going to do it and they've done it six out of the last seven weeks
0: what's been the biggest turnaround or the biggest reason for the turnaround you're 1 and 6 things aren't looking great you've lost some tight games whether it's coaching decisions there's a lot of factors that go into it and then you go 6 and 1 what's been the in your opinion the biggest reason why this team has been able to turn it around
1: well the defense has been much better you know they've been a lot better um you look at the first half of the season right you allow 38 points you allow 28 48 29 31 24 right you look at this Uh, streak that they've been on. You know, you hold Green Bay to 9. You hold the Giants to 18. You hold the Jets to 17. Even Minnesota uh, who has been a pretty good offensive team. 23, okay, that's livable, right? Um, Jaguars who have been scoring points at will the last couple weeks. You hold them to 14. Like, the defense hasn't been perfect. I think when you look at it and you say, you know, the Minnesota game. I mean, Cousins throws for over 400 yards. Justin Jefferson has 220. Um, But you keep him out of the end zone. You know, that's okay. You're going to get their stats. That's fine. But, you know, we get third downs, we get red zone defense, let's step up and make some plays. That's what they've been doing, and that's, I think, been the big difference is that the defense is keeping them in games when the offense has hit some of those adverse situations, right? Yesterday was a prime example of it. The offense didn't score a touchdown until, what, two minutes left in the game, just under two minutes, right? Yep. Normally in the past, you know, if your offense is sputtering like that and not putting points on the board, you could be down two, three scores late in that game, and now you got no chance of coming back. It's the defense that's keeping you in it. It's a defense that's um, taking the ball away. You know, Jerry Jacobs getting a a big interception yesterday. I know they didn't turn it into a touchdown, but they get a field goal out of that. You know, that's a big difference. That's a especially in a low scoring game. Every point matters. Um, so for me, honestly, the the defense has been good enough and impressive enough for them to just allow themselves a chance to win every game where we didn't see that in the first half. We saw, you know, Seattle putting up 48 points on you and Geno Smith looking like, you know, Joe Montana or, you know, whether it was the Eagles not being able to stop anything. You know, even points of that Bears game was like, my goodness, we're down, you know, what, 17 points to this team? Like, come on, guys, got to pick it up. They've just turned that corner to where – they're just playing good team, good squad football. You know what I mean? And they still don't have – you look at Hutchinson, and he's certainly been uh, impressive, you know, the last month and a half. You look at a guy like James Houston, he's providing a spark play almost every single game. Uh, But they still don't really have, like, any true, you know, lockdown, shutdown, game-changing type guys yet. Uh, and they're, but they're doing it as a team. They're doing it as a unit. And for me, that is a testament to the players. You know, take uh, turning the urgency up and playing better. It's a testament to, you know, Aaron Glenn getting his defense that, you know, people were calling for his job two months into the season and trying to figure out what the hell's going on with them. You know, he finds a way to turn it around. Um, I think a lot of it has has been had to do with with the defenses. Uh, so-called, you know, they've come to life a little bit, and they're. They're, they've been starting to play really good football.
0: I, I think it's it. The defense is playing better. They're creating turnovers, and I think the offense is is obviously taking much better care of the ball. Yeah. And they're not putting the defense in a really bad position, or you know, causing points themselves. You look at the Seattle game, the pick six. You look at the uh, you know the Philly game, the pick six. You look yeah. at the New, New England, England game, yeah. the fumble that went for a touchdown. Like Dallas, you know, you got a 10-7 game turnovers. and you turn the
1: ball over five times. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so in the first seven games, the Lions were minus nine in turnovers. They were giving it away nine times more than they got it. And in the past seven games, they're plus nine. Yeah. So they're not only protecting the football, but to your point, the defense is playing much better and they're getting takeaways, whether it's Kirby Joseph, um, who has played extremely well in the past seven games for the most part. Uh, it's Hutch with the, with the interception against New York. Like they're creating opportunities, putting other offenses in conflict of where to go with the ball. Whether it's pressure on the quarterback, it's causing fumbles, you know, and 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 punching the ball out. They're just they're doing the things, the minimum amount of things that it takes to win football games. Yeah, and they're winning.
1: You know, yesterday at least they're
0: winning while still playing
1: average football you know like that to me is a sign of a good team where earlier in the season I mean even coach Campbell used to talk about all the time like we can't afford mistakes we can't afford turnover man we got to play damn near perfect football if we want to go out there and win games Uh, they're at a point now where they're playing at such a high level um, just as as a team that You know, of course you don't want them to play, you know, sloppy football late in the season, but they're winning games despite of that. And that is a sign of a good football team. And, you know, we saw it really all weekend. I mean, you look at, you know, Kansas City playing Houston. You know that was like a fourteen point spread. They they need overtime to take them down. You know, you look at uh, Dallas. You know, losing to a Jacksonville team, like, you know what I mean. Like, th- there's weird things that happen. But and, and look, the Jets. I mean, thank goodness Quinton Williams didn't play yesterday. I think yeah. we, he was. I mean, he's a tough son of a bitch there in the in that D tackle spot. Um, that could have changed the game a little bit. But uh, you know, that Jets defense is still they're good, man. They're good. They just swarm you. You know, they didn't. They don't give you a lot of opportunities for big plays and um you just got to keep grinding you know you gr- it's just a game you got to grind it out and you know it wasn't pretty offensively but you know to it was all about yesterday in my mind was a little bit about redemption you know you, you have a couple penalties that knock you out of you know maybe a touchdown off the board or um you know play calling uh you know the, the fourth and goal call you know I, I didn't I didn't hate the Call to go for it. Right. Uh, but when you watch the play, kind of a long developing counter play, you know, against the stacked box, probably not the best time for that call. Uh, ben Johnson redeems himself late with the fourth and one at the two-minute warning. <laughs> yeah. You know, just designing That's up safe. a beautiful play to Brock Wright. I mean, I don't think that they expected that to be a a home run. <laughs> they yeah. I, you probably expect it to be a, a good chunk play, but you know that was just a great design and a great call. You know, so I think that the mistakes that they made yesterday uh, didn't didn't kill them. You know, and even you know, people talk about it did seem similar yesterday when Dan chose to kick the long field goal there with about eight minutes left, you know, kind of felt similar to what we saw in Minnesota round one. Um, but they don't let that come back to bite them. You know, they're, they're, they're getting over the mistakes. They're getting over the, the adversity. They're making sure that, you know, hey, if, if something bad happens, we're not going to let it snowball into two, three, four, five, six bad things that happen. We're going to put a, put a nip in it and we're going to stop it. Yeah. And that's something that they've been they've done a tremendous job the last, uh, last almost two months now of, of fighting through those adverse moments.
0: Well, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording in regards to that 54-yard field goal attempt. You were, and and I was as well, kind of 50-50 on it, right? You want to get points. You want to go up so that a field goal doesn't tie it. but And and we heard Dan Campbell earlier uh, a couple weeks ago say how that that 54-yard field goal against the Vikings is going to haunt him till the day he dies. But there are some key, I think, distinctions that make it very different. In the Vikings one, first of all, it was Austin Siebert. That was his last kick as a Lion. Uh, but there was only a minute fourteen left. It was fourth and four, and like the the feeling was, even though you're up three, like that was going to be a that was going to be a difference maker.
1: Yeah, but you had a chance to go for the jugular, you right? Know.
0: But Austin Siebert had already missed one. Like going for it with Siebert was different, especially yeah. with if you miss it. You're going to give Minnesota good field position, and I think we can both agree that Kirk Cousins is a much better quarterback than Zach Wilson. You're giving him a short field at Slightly. that point, yeah. <laughs> um, and if they do go down and score, game is over. Yeah. But you look at the the you know in New York, there's eight minutes left in the game. You've got Zach Wilson. I understand the benefit of pinning Zach Wilson down, making him go the length of the field. But you also are feeling like, all right, well, if we miss it. We're not in as bad of a spot, plus there's eight minutes left, and it's a completely different kicker. Yeah. When you look at, you know, what has gone on. First of all, he is he was two for two in kicks over fifty yards. He had a fifty-one yarder earlier in the year and a fifty-three yarder, I think, was actually the Dallas game, which was his first game. So you're feeling much more comfortable in the position that you're at. And so I I was 50-50 on, you know, I wasn't going to be mad if they punted it. I wasn't going to be mad if they kicked the field goal. The only thing I probably would have been upset about at fourth and five is if they had tried to go for it. yeah That, that and, to me, would have been uh, kind of reckless. Yeah, I mean, that you, you said it
1: best. I mean, 50-50, I was, I was there mostly because, you know, just being on the sideline, that— end zone that they were going into was as the game progressed it kind of turned into the windy side you know that stadium out there uh is weird you know the the the, the wind doesn't really go you know field goal post to field goal post it yeah. kind of comes across the field at you and it just kind of swirls and at that point in that game it was like yeah this is kind of that 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 side where, you know, weird things are happening, you know, it's kind of swirling a little bit. Even earlier in the game, I think, uh, gosh, I think uh, Badgley knocked one off the upright. Right. Uh, Didn't count, you know, because there was a delay of game call, but, you know, that was kind of the same side. That was the same side. Yeah. You know, and that wind was just kind of howling a little bit. So that's why I was like, I guess we're going to see, you know, we're going to see what kind of nuts this kid has, man, going out there and trying to knock in a 54-yarder. Now, they didn't get it, but like you said, you know, still plenty of time on the clock. So, look, if they lose that game, is that a play that we're probably sitting here and dissecting until, you know, we turn red in the face? Probably. Um, but the fact is, we don't. We don't have to, yep. you know, because, <laughs> because they found a way to overcome it. They found a way to go make a couple plays and not necessarily bail out, you know, a decision, but um, to go out there and make sure it didn't hurt you.
0: So, this is something we haven't talked about in a while because they've been really good. That's the Lions' offensive line. And this game, I'm curious your take on it because watching it from afar, disappointed that they didn't score on fourth and goal. Some of that was the play call, and most of it was the play call. But the holding calls. Yeah, There was a couple on Frank. There was a couple on... um, Evan Brown. Uh, Evan Brown. Yeah. And it just felt like and and it also felt like protection started to break down a little bit. There was more pressure, late pressure, but still pressure on Goff than there typically has been. Yeah. Your thoughts on the performance of the offensive line? I I thought it was a dogfight. I
1: mean, I thought it was for their expectation and the standard that they've set. Yeah. Uh probably an average game. You know, I didn't think it was great, but at the same time, I didn't think it was bad. Uh, I thought that even missing Quinn and Williams, that's a tough defensive line. You yeah. know, they still got some guys. Carl Lawson is uh, a really good player. Sheldon Rankins is another guy in the interior that uh, is a really good player. You know, they they challenge you with your technique, they challenge you with your footwork, with your hand placement, with your fits on double teams. Um, just because they, they love those wide alignments, you know, they love those wide nines, they love the wide three techniques, even the, you know, nose guard lining up wide shooting gaps. I mean, that's that's a difficult defense uh to slow down. I thought there were times where uh the protection was great and Jared Goff seemed like he was rushing a couple throws. Where it's like, Okay, man, like you know, go get to your second, get to your third read, you got time. Uh and then there were also times on the flip side where you know somebody gets beat inside and there's immediate pressure and now you can't really do anything and that, that was it was not a performance that i think we had become you know we we have expected we were accustomed from to, that. Yeah. yeah it's not something that we've seen from them really the past uh four or five games where they have dominated um but that that, that type of stuff's going to happen you know it is i mean you are playing against a good D-line, you're playing against a good, solid defense that you know it's going to be hard to get chunk plays, you're just going to have to grind it out. Um, You know, we always just say, hey, man, those guys get paid too. You know, (laughs) Uh, the the disappointing part was obviously the penalties. You know, we saw that a lot uh, early in the season where, hey, you get a drive going, bam, you know, you pick up a 20-yard chunk play, now you got some momentum uh, holding. Now it's first and 20, now the drive's dead. You know, or even yesterday, hey, you get down the red zone, oh, man, Beautiful play. Jamal Williams in for a touchdown. There's a flag down. Now it's first and, you know, 18, um, you know, instead of putting six on the board. I thought the first holding call on on Evan Brown was horrible, you know, watching it. I thought that the linebacker kind of went low, and he just kind of grabbed the back of the pads and guided him to the ground. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong. Even the second one, questionable in my mind. I know that technically people think – Hey, when you get your hands outside, that's automatic holding. It's not. If you stop your feet and you restrict a the guy, then they're going to call that. But as long as you keep your feet moving, normally it doesn't really matter where your hands are. And I thought that that was kind of a wishy-washy, maybe questionable one. But uh, I saw one of Frank's that was pretty clear, you know, restricting the nose guard. I think he just got beat off the snap on a zone. And the other one, look. You ready? Showtime. Holding calls aren't always on the offensive line either. You know, I think there was one of Frank's first call where – you know, they call an outside toss to Swift and they've got the blockers out there and for some reason he cuts back and look the center, you're thinking, Hey, I'm pinning my guy off, you know, and all of a sudden it's a cutback. Now your hand your feet aren't in the right place, your hands yeah. aren't in the right place and a lot of times, you know, that's that's just on the back making a bad decision. Um, but that was the disappointing part. You didn't expect them to go out there and um, you know, have that many penalties and, you know, some of the pressure and even the run game the last three weeks hasn't been uh, as explosive as it's been in the past, but and uh, knowing those guys, though, I mean, you know, they they definitely expect a higher level of execution, and so you know, that's just one of those matchups you got to toss up and say, hey, man, you know, we did some good, you know, we did some bad, clean it up, and you know, move on. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, John, we talked about a little bit the past couple of weeks, DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him because I'll give you my opinion first and just I want to see your reaction but he seems to me that he's almost trying to force you know a big play every time he touches the ball and you know that he has that capability um, but there's there's times where you look at it and you say, hey maybe this play is designed you know with the look that we get to get you know five or six yards Hey maybe this the, this play call on you know third and one is designed to get two. You know, um, there's been a couple plays each and every game where you kind of watch him and it's like, man, like, why are you doing that? You know, you run in and then you stop and then you make three moves and then all of a sudden, you know, what should be a six-yard gain is, is two, you know, or what should be a, a two-yard gain on third and one is, is a zero. You know, now you're punting. Is there something that you see from him just watching the TV copy of, of games where you see, Man, it he, he, he seems like the same player still, but he seems like he's almost trying to force things and let it instead of letting some of those big plays just come naturally.
0: Well, I find it he seems like he's trying to force it more when he catches the ball because when he runs it, it seems like it's more natural. And yeah, there are things where there are times where maybe he's dancing too much, he's trying to make one too many cuts. Uh, but when he catches it, that's where I feel like, all right, he's already got the ball in the open field, and now he's trying to turn a five-yard gain into a, a, a touchdown run when it's, you know, if you just pick up eight yards, now you're going to be looking at second and two instead of one too many cuts, and you're looking at second and four, or second and five, second and six. Yeah. Um, and, and part of it is probably... He's trying to justify, I don't know if he's trying to justify wanting an extension, because he didn't have those reps when he was banged up, then it was, you know, a very measured pace at bringing him back, and when you look at his touches yesterday, he had eight carries, he had, what was it, five catches, he was targeted nine times, and that's the other thing, is, is some of his drops, like I... There's some times where he should catch the ball, and I think he's just pressing. He's trying to make something happen when he's missed opportunities before, just by being hurt, not by you know things that were there that you know he messed up. He's trying to go out there and make something happen, dazzle the staff, dazzle the fans, go out there and win games. When he just, I think, needs to realize that he's one of eleven out there. Yeah,
1: and he's uh, the thing that. You know, kind of shocks me a little bit with him is that, you know, he's 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 not winning a lot of those one-on-one battles anymore. You know what I mean? Like we've seen him in the past. Hey, if there's an unblocked safety or linebacker, he's gonna make that guy miss four out of five times. You know, eight out of ten times. Like there was a play I go back to yesterday. I think it was in the fourth quarter and. You know, they call a nice uh, little swing pass out to the right. Panay Sewell gets out in the flat, blocks a guy, and Swift's so yeah. got one-on-one with a linebacker. And what looked like it was going to be an explosive play, you know, turns into like an eight-yard carry and it, or eight-yard reception. And it's like, okay, yeah, you'll take eight yards any day of the week, but you when more. you get the ball in DeAndre Swift's hands, we've just become accustomed to, man, he's got a chance to make a guy miss, and boom, like he, he you know, might be scoring. It's just almost – and. He also had, I mean, he had a couple tough runs yesterday where just vintage, you know, one foot, one cut, bam, get north, you know, turn a three-yard run into a seven-yard run. It's like that's that's what this team needs a little bit more of from DeAndre Swift in my mind is just getting those gritty yards, getting those tough yards, and then once you get that opportunity, you know, bam, that's when you put your foot in the ground. That's when you make the guy miss. That's when you go for a big play. We just haven't seen it much out of him because, like you said, I think that I think he's starting to feel that. Hey, Jamal Williams has turned into that dependable, yep. reliable guy. Uh, you know, there's certainly competition and pride that goes into that. Everybody wants to be the guy, but also with the emergence of Justin Jackson. I mean, Jackson's a guy that. I think pretty fair to say he's taken advantage of every opportunity he's gotten, <laughs> and I think when you sit there, you know whether it's a wide receiver, a running back, even an offensive line deep, if anybody, if somebody's outperforming you, man, like sometimes you take that personal, but with that you can also st- try to start putting too much pressure on yourself, start trying to force things uh, where you don't need to do that. You know that's this moving forward. I mean, these next three games, I think that Swift is going to be such a key part of this offense I think they've just got to find a way to get his confidence back right Get him rolling again. Give him a couple touches early in the game, where it's, you know get him in space and let him you know try to make a guy miss and go right. Because once you see him do it once, he tends to have that game where it's like bam, he's rolling, man. He's feeling it, and you know it's, the team's just you know the other team's just not going to slow him down. But he's going to be he's got to be important in these last these last three weeks. They've just got to get him going back into the, being that. Playmaking style back that we all know he is, and that who he was, you know, to start the season off.
0: And and I thought that the Lions gave him that opportunity against the Jets because the first play went for nine yards, right? They toss him the ball, they get him on the edge, they get him out in space, they allow him to use his speed, a little bit of elusiveness, and then that, you know, put the foot in the ground and go north and south. And I just never really felt like after that he was able to capitalize on that momentum. Um, But I do agree with you that in the final three games, Carolina uh, on the road, Chicago at home, Green Bay on the road, and you look and you say, well, the passing game on the road hasn't been as dynamic as it is at home. And if that's not going to be there, at least as much as it has been at home, you've got to be able to run the football. And early on in that very first drive, I thought that it was a very well-scripted drive. Seven different players touched the ball they march right down the field, but the key was that it started with that nine-yard run by DeAndre Swift against Carolina and definitely on the road against Green Bay. he. I think he's going to have to have some of those moments where he does pick up nine yards or he does pick up seven or eight when you think that there's nothing there.
1: Yeah, he's just got to, you know, you don't want to put too much pressure and say, oh, man, if DeAndre Swift doesn't play well, you know, blah, 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 whatever. You know, but he... He's just that he seems to be that piece on offense that if they get him going, you start to get that feeling that this offense will not be stopped. <laughs> you know with with how well Jared Goff has played. Um, with how well the offensive line has played, you know, a couple bumps obviously against the Jets, but he's that one piece where if you're like, man, if they can get some explosives out of him, you know, because we all love Jamal Williams. Jamal isn't, he's not that guy that's going to take it 50, 60 yards. You know, he's going to get you those hard, you know, four, five, six. He might bust a couple for 12, 15. Um, but that's just that's that piece that's like man if they can get DeAndre Swift they get that explosive play DeAndre Swift back involved in a big role in this offense that's like that's kind of that last puzzle piece that's like yep. I don't think this team is going to be stopped the rest of the way cuz you look at I mean Carolina you know they're a solid team you know I think Brian burns is a good edge rusher for them um, they've got a couple good DBs like they're they're middle of the pack you yeah. know just looking at their stats I think they're uh, probably you know right around that 16 to 20 range almost in every category um, you're not probably not gonna have bad weather in Carolina right I right. mean it's gonna be a little cooler right, but it's yeah, gonna be yeah, sunny maybe 40-ish 50-ish yeah. right but that's that's manageable yeah um, And you know, man, it's just you just keep waiting for Swift. I just have a feeling that he's going to have to have one of those typical DeAndre Swift games where he he just takes over and can't be stopped. I want to ask you, just you know, I don't think we've done this all season, but just watching the game yesterday, you know, were there any performances in your mind, offensively, defensively, that uh, of a guy just sticking out and a guy just maybe being. You know, that underrated type player but making plays that, you know, just those blue-collar type dudes. Can we give out a weekly award, just a blue-collar award to a guy on offense and defense that just shows up and, and gets the job done?
0: Uh, sure. Uh, I would love to. And honestly, the the defensively, the guy that I would want to give it to, and this is kind of – since we haven't done this, it's been a little bit of a buildup – And I I love it every time he's on the field. He's not the most talented. He's not a guy that I think is going to be around long-term. Maybe he is. I don't know. John Kaminsky. He just always seems to make a play when it matters. And yesterday he had, obviously, the sack late, um, I believe it was, in the game. Yeah, last drive. And... You know, earlier in the year, obviously he missed a couple of games because of an injury, and then he's playing with that big old wrap on his hand. (laughs) And you know, bats I remember him bat you know, you know, pulling putting it up in the air and batting a ball down. He's just a guy that is, I think, totally under the radar that I think is a solid football player and always gives you a hard day's work. And then on offense in this one. I tell you what, I'm going to go with the guy that basically had one play, and it was the fact that he came off of is basically back to back plays, uh, an unbelievable drop, and then all of a sudden it's two minute warning, they go right back to Brock Wright, and he goes 51 yards for a touchdown, like that to me shows that he's he's not going to let one play carry over to the next, and it's pro- you know it's the, probably the biggest play of that game. And he was just there to make a play that was going to be made, and and I I I, the, I loved it. And you know you could say Jared Goff and the fact that he you know distributed the ball, missed a big play to to Jamison Williams, but being able to go back to Brock Wright at that moment, uh, and and for Ben Johnson to dial up a play to to Brock Wright, only hoping for a first down, fourth and inches, hoping just for a first down, and it goes for fifty one. I, I I would have to go with Kaminsky and Wright. Yeah, I don't disagree with either of those. Kaminsky is a guy, I mean, I
1: remember early in the season you're looking at their third down package, and you're like – John Kaminsky, wait—he's a yeah. uh, you know—he's in their NASCAR package. Like, man, they <laughs> must really have nobody, <laughs> and and all of a sudden, I he mean, just makes plays. You just look at the guy, and he's just like you said—like he's not the most athletic guy, he's not the most you know gifted you know athlete. But it's just he, every single game, there's always like three or four plays where you're just like, my goodness, man! Like it is great to have a guy like that on our team, yep. you know. Defensively for me, though, I think a guy that, you know, Romeo Quara, I think, you know, just the, the, the mental, uh, physical toll that, you know, he's gone through the past really year and a half, past 14 months uh, since he tore that Achilles, you know, that's a tough road to get back to. That's a tough road to not only get back to to play, but to play at a high level, which he had been playing at, you know, previous to his injury. Uh, to come out and, and, and just start to build off of get back into football shape a little bit, feel it out, get the confidence back, not only physically but mentally, and then to come out yesterday and, you know, have a sack early in the game, have a sack on the late uh, late drive to, you know, bump him back a little bit and burn some clock. I mean, he's just a guy that – he he got paid, right? I mean, he got paid. Yep. Um. With that sometimes comes a – Expectations ego or, and pressure or right, and, but sometimes an ego or you know a superstar type of uh, attitude. Like yeah. he is, ju- he's one of the most blue collar guys you could ever meet, you could ever talk to, and for him to come out yesterday and really make an impact on that game, I thought was great to see. And offensively, look, I mean, I can steal, you know, Dan Campbell's game ball. I mean, Khalif Raymond's been a guy that has just he's continuing to take every opportunity that he gets and you know, make it positive, make plays, you know, third downs, finding a way to get open in the zone, you know, catch the ball a couple yards short of the sticks, finding a way to make a move, Try find a way to, you know, overpower a guy to get the first down, you know, do those gritty little things that uh, that it takes that, that make a difference in the football game. You know, you could almost feel that, that punt return building yesterday. You know, I think uh, in the Minnesota game had a really nice one, uh, to get up to about midfield, you know, next play they they got the momentum, boom, they take a shot to DJ Chark touchdown. You know, it, it, every game you kind of feel like he's been close. And yesterday that punt return, um, I mean, my God, it was huge. You know, it was huge, especially when the offense was sputtering a little bit. You know, you go out there, you get on the board. Khalif Raymond's a guy to me that is is a very underrated part of this team and offense. I mean, he's their second leading receiver, John. Would you have ever guessed that? No. But you really don't, you know, because you kind of think of even him. Even though you might wouldn't get... say it. No, you might. Okay, yeah, he gets a couple touches a game, you know, maybe two, three catch guy. I mean, even yesterday offensively, though, five catches, 53 yards on six targets. You yeah. know, and I think the other target, Jared Goff got hit and, you know, it was just a uh, you know ball on the ground. But he's just a guy that produces, man. And he's, 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 a, he's a spark plug for that offense. And he's very similar to... I think he's got a very similar skill set to Amon Ross St. Brown, to be honest with you. I mean, there's some catches where, you know, he gets the ball over the middle the field, makes a move, and it's like, wait, is that, is that Khalif? Is that Amon Ross? Like, who, who is that? You know, because they look very similar. He's a guy, for me, that uh, coach obviously gave him a lot of praise after that game yesterday. Well-deserved, um, but he's just, he's that, he's that type of guy that you need on the team. That is gonna make plays when his number's called, that's gonna be, you know, okay with whatever his role is, whatever they ask him to do, he's gonna go out there and, and do it. He's gonna get the job done. And he's done it, man. And he did it yesterday. And he came up with uh, a couple really, really huge plays. Not only that punt return, but you know, I think there are two very key third down catches in there as well. Finding a way to get open, find a way to make a play and and keep the drives alive. Khalif Raymond would be my blue-collar man of the week, you know, offense. We could throw special teams in there as well, but yeah, you need guys like that, man.
0: Well, it is the holiday season, and Christmas is obviously Sunday. The NFL, the bulk of the NFL games will happen on Saturday, and the, the best Christmas present that a Lions fan could hope for is a win, obviously, in Carolina. And then if you're looking even a little bit further, if you want to talk about a Christmas present waking up on on Sunday morning, is a 49ers win over the Washington Commanders and a Chiefs win over the Seahawks because that puts the Lions in the number 7 spot. That would put them right playoffs. and they
1: would control their destiny. It's crazy. I remember talking three weeks ago. Hey, John, you think we could sit here three, four weeks from now and say, man, this team can control their destiny? (laughs) My goodness, man. I mean... Nobody could have thought we would have been here. You no. Know? And it's been magical. And honestly, look, I think, yeah, if they lay an egg this week against Carolina, sure, we'd be disappointed. Right? But um, what they've done so far has, in my mind, honestly been nothing short of incredible. Now, we all hope that that continues to happen for the sure. next couple weeks. Um, but regardless of that, I think that what they've done the last month and a half, you know, the so last seven weeks has proven uh, without a doubt that this is a new team that this is who they are. And look, weird things happen in the NFL. You know, I yeah. would be disappointed, obviously, if they can sit there in a position and control their destiny and, you know, something ends up happening where they don't get in. I think we would all be disappointed. But when you look at the big picture, um, you know, it's been what, what Dan Campbell and this team has done, it turned it around, made it such a fun November and a fun December so far for us. That's something we haven't had in years, you know, no. and that's – uh I, I think without a doubt, people can say that this is a new football team.
0: Yeah, new football team. Expectations have changed. The trajectory of this team, everybody's excited. Uh, so we will find out if this is going to be a playoff team. Next step, Carolina Panthers. Uh, and hopefully we all get a chance to wake up Christmas morning with a nice, beautiful uh, number 7 spot in the playoffs. But uh, hey, to everyone that's listening, if everyone that's listened all year long, We want to wish you both from uh, myself and TJ a happy holiday season, a safe and happy holiday season, and we'll talk to you next week on Necessary Roughness.